0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: In this week's lesson, we're going to be studying about the arrest of Messiah. And it's so significant that the place that Messiah was arrested from, it was his place of prayer. And who arrested him? The government. Now, I believe that this sets a very important prophetic truth for all of us. It shows us how that in the last days, and there's much similarities between what was happening 2,000 years ago at the end of the second temple period, 40 years before the destruction of the temple, what was taking place by the government against people who were followers of the truth and that is a principle that we need to understand because it is going to revisit history we're going to see in the last days that there is going to be a governmental authority that is ruling throughout the world that is going to come against those who submit to the truth of god and those who base their life upon the power of god and when you base your life upon truth and power you are going to be individuals that pray take out your bible and look with me to the book of matthew and chapter 26. now as i mentioned last week we were studying messiah yeshua that is jesus christ with his disciples in the place known as got shemani or in english gethsemane and he took his disciples there in order to pray taking John and the two sons of Zebedee with him in a more close manner, in greater intimacy. And he asked them to watch and to pray with them. And we know that he understood that the time was at hand, that his betrayer was coming near, that he would soon be arrested. And this is when he prayed, about submitting to his father's will, humbling himself, that is, not doing his will, but doing God's will. And he did that as an example to all of us. And as he was, was chasing them for not watching and praying, but rather sleeping. He spoke to them three times, and at the end of the third time, we see something took place. Look with me to verse 47. Matthew 26, verse 47, where it says, And he was still speaking, and behold. It was at that time he was instructing them about the truth, about how the world was going to come against him and against them, that they needed to be prayerful concerning the time and the situation that they were in. He warned them to be strong, and not to give away to temptation. And what happens? It was in the midst of this that we read, behold, Judas, and of course, this is Judas Iscariot, one of the 12. So he was one of the disciples, but nevertheless, he was known as the betrayer. Once more, verse 47, And as he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12, came, and with him a great crowd, with swords and with clubs. And notice why they came. They came from the Jewish leadership. Not the Jewish people, but simply the Jewish leadership. We know that that a few days before, There were numerous ones praising him, exalting Yeshua, and speaking about the fact that he was indeed the Blessed One who who was coming into this world. But now, just a few days later, and we find ourselves at Passover approaching. And remember what Yeshua said. As the scripture says he turned his face towards Jerusalem, he says, I'm going up to Jerusalem for Passover. Passover, the festival of redemption, but also Passover is related to death. And he said that he would be betrayed over to the chief priests and the elders, that he would be crucified and dead, but on the third day he would rise again. This is about to be fulfilled. So look once more. We find that there he is in the garden of Gethsemane, this great crowd came to him with swords and clubs from the high priests and the elders of the people. In other words, the the government, the Jewish government under the Roman occupation, verse 48. Then the next thing we see here is that there's emphasize one, that same one that we mentioned earlier, i'm speaking about judas iscariot the one who betrayed him literally verse 48 says but the one who is betraying him now it's in the present it's a participle which describes what he's doing and at that time we see that this one was betraying him and notice something else we read in the second part of verse 48 and he gave to them a sign, who? To that crowd, those, those servants of the high priests and the elders of the people who were supplied to them by the Roman Empire. He gave to them a sign saying, Whomever I will kiss. Now this is a, a sign of affection. A kiss shows affection, love. And it was so said that Judas would use that type of sign showing friendship in order to betray Yeshua. And what we see here, and this is a very important biblical truth, we see that Judas relates to Satan. We know in the other gospel, one of the reasons why Judas, who was a lover of money, Why he went to the high priest was because he fell under temptation. He went to them as we studied, and he asked, what will you give me in order that I should betray him? And we know what the scripture says. The scripture says that Satan had entered into him. And here's the biblical truth for us. When we are rebellious against the commandments, the truth, the instructions, the will of God, And when we succumb to temptation, when we are seeking what we want instead of God's want, what God wants, what's the outcome of that? The enemy, Satan, demonic influence, unclean spirits, they will begin to act. They will begin to move in our life. Now, obviously, if you are a believer, you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you cannot be possessed by a demon but Judas wasn't a believer. Just because he was one of the 12, none of them had come to a saving faith at this time because we see theologically when one is a believer, the Holy Spirit enters into this one. This had not happened to any of the disciples. In fact, it won't happen to them until after the resurrection, why? True faith in the gospel believes not just in the identity of Yeshua, that he is the Messiah, that he was sent into this world to do the work of redemption, but as Paul says in the book of Romans in chapter 10, we need to believe that he died for us, confessing our sins, but also that this one rose from the dead. So one has to have faith in the resurrection, and clearly we're going to see that no one, and I mean just that, no one believed that this Yeshua, who would soon be crucified, dead and buried, that he would rise from the dead. So Judas wasn't a believer. And therefore, the scripture tells us that Satan entered into this one. And the reason why I'm I'm emphasizing that is, we know that Satan is the father of lies. And this is exactly what the scripture says. Is describing to us about Judas that he is a liar the sign of betrayal that he chose was a kiss look again he gave to them a sign middle of verse 48 saying whomever that I will kiss he is meaning he is the one and then it goes on and says you seize." this has to do with arresting you seize him Verse 49, and immediately it says, they came to Yeshua, that is the group, but specifically, we're dealing with Judas. Immediately that Judas, he came to Yeshua and he said, and this next word, many Bibles will say it's a greeting, but it's also a term of, of exaltation. Again, Judas is a liar, everything that he says, is not accurate he says hail which is a term of praise and then this next word some bibles will translate it master but it's literally the term in greek rabbi it is the hebrew word transliterated into the greek language it literally says here rabbi so he says hail rabbi which means my my abundant one As many of the English translations, my master, it speaks about submissiveness. It speaks about recognizing one as the Lord of their life. Judas was betraying him, once more a lie. He says, hail, rabbi, and then notice the end of verse 49. Now, your Bible probably says that he kissed him, and that's true. But what you may not know is this that the word, earlier on what it says, he gave a sign, whomever I should kiss, this is him. This word for kiss in the previous verse is somewhat different than this one. It's the same root verb, but in the last usage, it has a prefix attached to it, which is to emphasize. It usually, if we're talking about kissing someone, for example, We talk about greeting one another with a holy kiss. Well, this would be somewhat different. This would be a kiss of greater affection, one of more more passion, sincerity. And all of this is telling the reader that Judas was a deceiver. He would say one thing and do something else. He would do something in a manner that would really conceal his true intent. So he kissed him in a very, very loving, kind, full of friendship way in the midst of actually betraying him. Now move on to what we see here in the end of of this next verse where it says, look at verse 50. But Yeshua said to him, friend. Now again, this is most informing. Yeshua knew everything. He said earlier on, my betrayer comes. He knew who was going to betray him. He knew that that Judas was the one who dipped his his hand into that that sop that they were eating the night before. He knew Judas was a betrayer. But nevertheless, it wasn't personal. Yeshua had no animosity personally against him. All our sinners all have fallen short of the glory of God but Judas act is so despicable so shameful so much of deceit that he would betray his master the one that he called his master with a kiss and Yeshua says to him middle of verse 50 friend from what meaning what reason have you have you come then we see that there were those who turned to him and they, they cast the hands upon Yeshua and seized him. Judas came forth, gave Yeshua that, that passionate kiss, one that disguised his real intent. He wasn't a friend. Yeshua wasn't his, his master, his Lord. What ruled Judas' life? Money. And money, when we have a love of it, it will manifest a multiplicity of evil in our life. So now we see Yeshua has been seized. Now verse verse 51. And behold, something significant is going to happen. And behold, one of the ones who were with Yeshua. He stretched forth the hand he drew his sword and he struck and this is important he struck the servant of the high priest. now it's emphasized here it's emphatic in other words the gospel writer this case matthew wanted you and me to know that this one disciple the one who was with yeshua and we know from another account this was peter that Peter, he took his sword out and he struck specifically, whether it was intent or not with intent, he struck and cut off. This is what the scripture says he struck the servant of the high priest and he cut off his ear. Now, there's two things that I would say concerning this verse. We know in another gospel what happened, Yeshua he touched that ear. Doesn't say he picked up that ear that was cut off. It says simply that he touched this man, this servant, and he was healed. The implication is not just that the wound was was healed, but there's a restoration, meaning there was a new ear in that place. That's what healing has to do with. And imagine, this was the servant of the high priest. Not just one, but the primary one. And he would go back, and in this case, we'll learn next week, this high priest is is Caiaphas. And imagine, he says, you know, one of those disciples cut off my ear. And the high priest probably would say, well, it looks fine to me. Yeah, he would respond. This one, this Yeshua, this Jesus of Nazareth, he simply touched my ear place where my my wound was and i was restored i was healed what a testimony now the ear is significant and here's the second place because what is this high priest going to do what is this servant of the high priest going to do are they going to hear and this word for hearing implies hearing for the purpose of obeying or are they going to persist in their rebelliousness and really that's a good question for all of us are you going to hear the truth of god's word and respond to it with obedience putting faith into action being coming an instrument a vessel of the living god for his purposes or are you going to rebel against it i say this frequently i'll say it again if you submit when when you go after your death, into the kingdom of God, you will be eternally glad of that decision. But if you respond to these these false voices that's going through people's mind when they're challenged to receive the gospel, oh, this is just a story. This isn't for me. This is someone weak that receives it. This is not truth. This is, and all of these excuses, if you, and hear this carefully, If you reject that gospel, you will not confess your sins. You will not put your hope in Yeshua. You do not accept his blood. You do not allow the truth that he died, buried, and rose again to impact your life. If you will not receive him, you eternally will regret that. And once you leave this world, once you no longer have breath in you, There's nothing you can do to change where you're going to be for eternity. Don't make that disastrous mistake. Humble yourself. Pray right now to make that decision inviting him into your life. The one who died for you, the one who has risen from the dead. Put your hope in him. You'll never be disappointed that you did. So what do we read? We find that they they did this they took him seized him peter he took out his his sword he struck the the ear of the high priests and the ear uh, was cut off verse verse 50 then yeshua says to him speaking to to this disciple he says return your sword into its place for all who take up the sword by the sword will perish verse 53 he says do you not think don't you realize in other words that i'm an i'm able now literally what it says here is do you think that i am unable now to call believe the king james says pray but it's not the word prayer it's the word simply to call to to call to my father this speaks of his divinity don't you know, in other words, that I could call to my my Father and that he would, would stand before me, meaning present before me, more than 12 legions of angels. Therefore, now if this is what he did, he could, but he said, if he did this, therefore how would the Scriptures be fulfilled? And this tells us something. More than anything else, when we look at Yeshua, What was of interest to him? That the scriptures should be fulfilled. That's a message for you and me. That we should live our life in order that we behave to fulfill scripture. So he says, therefore how would the scriptures be fulfilled? Because thus it's necessary to be. And that word necessary means there's no other way. It has to be this way. Verse 55. At that hour, that means at that very moment, Yeshua, he said to the crowds. Now, there's a change here. The word crowd is now in the plural. It talks about different groups within this great crowd. And he says, as upon a thief, you come out with swords and clubs in order to to take me, to arrest me, to capture me. He goes on and says, every day with you, the same people, every day with you, I was sitting and teaching in the temple and you did not seize me. So important. He says, why wasn't there any criticism? Why wasn't according to the law of the Sanhedrin, Jewish law, before you arrest someone, If they're doing something, instruct them. Give them an opportunity not to do it. This tells us of their hypocrisy. It reveals to us they weren't following, and we're going to see this especially next week when we look at Yeshua before the Sanhedrin, before those leaders, the high priests, the scribes, the elders. We're going to see that they violated their own law, the Sanhedrin Protocol, In order to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish, see, we need to be people that are true to the instructions of God. These people weren't even true to their own laws, let alone the laws of God. So he says, You know, each day when I was in Jerusalem, what was I doing? Sitting and teaching in the temple, no criticism. No one wanted to arrest me. No one spoke in in defiance of what I was doing. They had questions. They may not have agreed inwardly, these who were believing the lie, but nothing happened to them. And now suddenly, and why was this? Very simply, in order that the scriptures should be fulfilled. Look now to our our last verse, verse 56. He says, None seized me when I was in the temple teaching, but now, and the implication is now under darkness, but in order for the word of God to be fulfilled. Look at verse 56, but, but all of this has happened. Now this word, a very important Greek term. It's in the, the perfect tense. What does that mean? What's happening now? is not happening by chance. It was planned early. early. It was something that they had wanted to do, so they planned it earlier. They are now bringing it about, and the perfect also says that this has implications, consequences into the future. Don't make any mistake. What is about to happen has the greatest consequence concerning the future. Because all of this is about the death, burial, and resurrection, why Messiah came into this world. So all of these things, they have happened, they've come about in order that the scriptures of the who? Of the prophets. Now, I highlighted that in my Bible for a reason. And that is because, and if you listen frequently, you know that I emphasize prophecy. Why? Why? because of that great connection, this inherent relationship between prophecy and understanding the words and the work of Messiah. And now we see a biblical proof to support that. He says all of this has happened, is happening, and the implications to it is all happening. Why? In order that the scriptures of the prophets should be fulfilled. So important. Now how does our our verse and our our teaching this, this night concludes? Very simply, look at the end. Then the disciples, all the disciples, what did they do? They forsook him and they fled. Now it is of great significance that we see two things. We see the emphasis, on the scriptures of the prophets. And right with that connected is what? Is all the disciples. Notice it doesn't say all his disciples. Now we're speaking about his disciples, but the emphasis is just disciples. They were called to be disciples, but they did not behave as disciples. They fled, and they in this word means to leave, but it could mean to forsake, to abandon. And why? They didn't take seriously his word to pray. And they didn't, and this is what I'll close with. It was because of their lacking of prophetic insight. See, they did not understand the prophets, and in doing so, their failure to understand the prophets meant they did not understand what was taking place, the great spiritual, biblical significance of this event. And that's why it's so important that you and I, we study prophecy, encourage your pastor, your spiritual leader, to share with you prophetic truth. It is foundational in order to follow faithfully Messiah Yeshua. And that's why we do these teachings, to encourage you and assist you to follow Messiah faithfully.
0: as you walk with it shalom from israel